Hey everybody, Adam here, and today I'm joined by Zachary Becker, who is the uh, convention organizer for the London GT. Welcome, Zach. Hi, yeah, it's good to be here, thanks. And uh, the reason we have you on is because um, you mentioned how we, I mean, well, first off, let's let's start off with uh, kind of where, you, where you're coming from in terms of your experience with gaming, Games Workshop, where, where did you start? I know for myself, I, as everyone, most everyone knows, <laughs> Um, I started with historicals mainly, and then I transitioned over to GW around Rogue Trader era, uh, late Rogue Trader era. So, in terms of yourself, mm. uh, when did, how did you get into the GW game? So, um, I think probably quite a common story. I uh, was at walk, and I thought it was super cool so i started chatting to him about what it was um and uh back then i think uh games workshop games uh, my town were being sold through uh, a local record store so i went down and bought myself a bunch of uh corn berserkers and gene stealers because no one told me that you had to have a, have separate factions and different armies but <laughs> yeah right. so um yeah so i bought those um managed to find my way into a games workshop and immediately got sold a second edition starter set Okay. Um, but the guy that the guy that sold it to me didn't tell me was um, third edition was coming out in about <laughs> in about two weeks. So next time I went in the store to try to uh, to learn how to play, um, there was a new edition. And they said you got to buy a rule book. I said no, I bought one of those last week. And they said yeah, there's a new one now. Wow, so being a you know a ten year old boy, I didn't have much pocket money to to really splash out on another book. So I had to wait till Christmas to get that one. But, that um, is uh, that's an example of excellent an excellent excellent salesman. <laughs> yes, but um, anyway, so yeah, I started playing um, properly in third. Okay. Um, did did pretty well in the tournament scene um, as it was back then, run by Games Workshop. So I think yeah. I was like under 16s national champion or something. Oh, okay. And um, and then yeah, played through seventh, fourth, um, dipped in and out in in fifth and sixth, and then got really you know heavily back into um, the tournament scene at the start of seventh and really okay. like. You know, was playing you know, sometimes two tournaments a month in seventh, oh, okay. um, as well as um, you know moving from just being a, you know a competitor and a, and a gamer and a hobbyist to also being um, you know running the LGT as a sort of an aspect of my hobby and you know right. a, lot, a lot of times I think that actually the event is my hobby and, and playing 40k is the the sideline. But a lot, um, uh, yeah. yeah, a lot of times what I found because um, I help the local store run the RTTs and the mm. the Grand Tournament they run out of our local store, I found it can basically replace your gaming part. The gaming part, especially if you normally play competitive. Um, me personally, I found it more um, a nice change of pace. Yeah. Uh, where in, when instead of being always like nose to the grindstone competitive, you get to just kind of step back and just uh, not worry about it as much because you're worried about more the whole event the event as a whole, as opposed to one particular game or one particular uh, opponent. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, the, the, the LGT is, 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 you know, I'm there to, to make sure that, you know, 100, 200, 300 other people have fun right. um, play, playing the game I love. Um, in my own experience, has very much changed over the last couple of, um, you know, sort of year, 18 months, mm -hmm. because, um, you know, through running the LGT, um, I got involved in playtesting for Games Workshop, which right. I'll probably come on to talk about later. So actually, like the majority of my games now are, are not actually um, competitive games I can play in public. They're 
you know, played in my living room um, to try to you know, stress test new units and see what yes. you know, see what they're all about. So, so um, the tournaments I have played, you know, came, yeah. to, came to Nova recently, and okay. um, I found that because I'm playing so much um, sort of beta testing, you know, play testing stuff, mm-hmm. actually the army I really wanted to play at Nova wasn't the one that I thought would win me the event. It was one that I thought might win three out of eight games. Okay. So I just set myself a challenge of doing better than three out of eight. Right. Um, which I did, you know, you end up you know, winning six games, losing two, and won my pod. Okay. But um, I've started playing, I'm not going to say for fun, but I'm playing fun lists in the competitive setting that will never win the event. But trying to do your best with them is still, you know, you know a victory, I, you know. But, yes. yeah, so my, my perspective's changed a lot recently, but it's, it's pretty I much where I'm at. Anyway. From, I think what, what, uh, what tournament players, a lot of competitive players, especially as... I want to say getting older. As you become more experienced in the competitive scene, you start you start to challenge yourself. I think um, I've noticed I I do that now. I I always say my heyday was uh, three point the three point five chaos codex. So that's yeah, my third yeah, that edition. Um, yeah. Ever since then, I've I've built most of my armies for my own enjoyment and what I want to do. And just like you just said, when you want to challenge yourself or try something and hey, say if this works and if it work if I if I to me if I win one game, I'm happy. You know, with, yeah. with that with that list, so I tend to take lists that are not optimal, but at the same time they're a bit more competitive than than a narrative or a uh, com- uh, yeah uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm completely the same. I mean, like the list I took over was it was uh, 15 howling banshees with James R and wave serpents. <laughs> right. You know, by all you know, most people look at lists and they laugh and they say it's terrible, but it had tricks, right? So yes. it was like it was ter- you know, units that weren't uh, optimal, but I played it a lot. And I knew it inside out. And, um, you know, it was quite funny. A lot of people were surprised because there's all the sort of little little things you can do with Banshees that mm-hmm. no one really figures because no one plays them. Well, you know, you've got to play them so much to yeah, understand their that's, potential. Um, that, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, had, it was, I said to Mike afterwards, you know, it was the most fun playing 40K I've ever had in my life. Um, and it was, <laughs> if, if, I, if, if I'd taken a guard soup list or a chaos list, probably yeah. would have done a lot better, but I wouldn't have had as much fun. Yeah, I'm taking. I'm taking. I'm going to the uh, SoCal Open in San Diego, uh, and I'm just. I'm debating whether I want to take a list that's a little more tough as nails, or just take something that I know will be fun for me, and more importantly, make my games go quicker. Because yeah. <laughs> that's a thing still. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but speaking of uh, uh, grand tournaments, you you were, like I mentioned earlier, you run the London GT. Um, can you briefly talk about how it got started? Because I know it's only been around yeah, sure. a few years and it's grown a lot. Because I remember the, the first time it was advertised and, and compared to now, it's it's expanded a lot. So I just, if you could just give me a yeah. little backstory about how you guys decided to do it and how you guys went about it. Sure, sure. So the, it, it basically started, um, as I said you know, earlier, when I got back into competitive gaming in 7th, when um, I got you know, it was like looking around for the big, the big London events. You know, London's city, ten million people. It was like, you know, where's, where's the, you know, the two hundred person GTs? And there weren't any. So me and my buddies, you know, we're in a pub having a, having a laugh about, you know, how what forty k used to be looked like. And we basically said, you know, as customers, we want to attend this event. It doesn't exist, so let's make it happen. Mm-hmm. And um, we sort of went from there. So we. Um, First year round, we wanted to do things a little differently, so we were the first like massive, well not mass, but the first large tournament in the UK right. that also had um, 
you know, mats on every table. So we went out and got, you know, got a decent mat sponsor and put a mat on every table. So we tried to, you know, not just be big, but also be, be, be really high quality. Right. So <clears throat> we sort of um, went out for 200 first year. We didn't get quite there. We, we sold, I think, about 120 tickets and had about 100 people turn up. Okay. Um, so, you know, for year one, that's great. You yes. know, we're really pleased with it. Um, you know, if you compare that to, say, you know, Nova or Adepticon, their first years, I think they did around 80 people in Adepticon or whatever. So, mm-hmm. you know, we were we were men of great ambition and we did well, <laughs> but not quite as well as we would have liked. Right. Um, but year two was really where it all, um, you know, sort of exploded a bit because Games Workshop got on board. Mm-hmm. You know, Warhammer TV come down and broadcast from the event. Right. And, on social media and stuff and uh you know we sold out in, in i think 11 days or something so we sold uh 220 odd tickets um in 11 days oh, wow so um yeah we we're super pleased we'd added a little um narrative 30k event okay because a lot of the competitive 40k players were getting burnt out a bit uh, yeah, at the end of the yeah i remember a lot of so, switching over to, to 30k um yeah because of, so we did that yeah. that was that was really popular and um and, and now we're sort of we're moving from uh being you know a large 40k event to being a proper wargaming convention so this right. year we've added in an age of sigma gt we've got a massive blood bowl cup um okay. we're going to do what the event i'm really excited about is is we're doing a um a necromunda campaign weekend as well so that's <laughs> okay. going to be uh, yeah with the game the new games coming out yeah we've i can't got wait. a really passionate passionate crowd around here i yes. think it's a seminal game that you know loads of people love mm. so um i'm excited to help build that with the the event lead that's running yeah. that um but yeah we're, we're basically we, we try to double in size every year so this year we're, we're trying to hit 500 um gamers and 100 spectators through the door um okay so you know it's it's growing it's changing um you know the uk doesn't have um a, its version of adepticon or you know lvo yet so we're very much um, right. You know, that's our ambition. is It's to be a wargaming convention with a focus on organized play, as opposed to you know being a trade show. So yeah, that's I've, sort of you know, where we're at. I've always heard, and I, I've noticed that there's trade shows in in the UK, and especially, but not really any like conventions like we have here in the US, like LVO or Adepticon or Nova, where it's it's more about the gaming where as from what I can see, I don't know. I mean, if you, if I'm wrong, let me know. Um, it's more like you said, like a trade show or with, with yeah, games yeah. in it. Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, we, we've got salute and right. um, UK games expert, you know, they both get, you know, 20 to 50,000 people through the door, yes. you know, they're popular, and, you know, they're big, but you know, I've, you know, I was in original talks of salute uh, when I was setting up the LGT, um, see if there's potential, you know, synergies are working together. They basically said, you know, we don't have the space or inclination really to run a large, large tournament, which is fine. That's their thing. But our thing is definitely, you know, we want to be the premier right. games convention in, you know, in, in the UK um, and, in, and in, you know, and in Europe, you know, that's it's Europe's twice the size, twice the population of the States. You know, there's lots of gamers. So I think, you know, there really is a massive, massive growth potential um, to basically take the best, um, best, best events in the world and sort of replicate the success they've had. Um, but over here, and from the way, the way from what I've seen and what I heard, it sounds like you're you're doing a good job of it uh, so far. Um, and then uh, the decision to, or what prompt? I know. It, so was the original intent was just to have a the grand tournament. Um, after the first one, did, is that when you decided maybe you want to expand, or was it just after this last one on 2017? 
that you decide, hey, maybe we can include, we added the the 30K and that seemed to go well. Did you guys? Yeah, so uh, it, was, it, was, it was a difficult decision mainly down to cost. I mean, right. we, and we definitely wanted to, to, to basically host the biggest wargaming party we could. You know, that's right. what we're about is basically trying to be like, um, like a, a music festival, but for Warhammer sort of <laughs> okay. thing. Um, we want to basically just have a big party with people that are like-minded and, right. you know, center it around our, you know, our mutual love for the hobby. So, you know, adding new systems and getting people involved that, that are passionate about, about the hobby was, was some sort of a natural growth thing. But the main real concern is in, in London, you know, venue costs are, are so prohibitively expensive that probably yes. explains why, why no one's done it before. Yeah, it's, why, so, it's, it's the same reason why in Los Angeles, most uh, Los Angeles, like the LAGT – uh, from when it was put on by GW was not in LA. Yeah, it yeah, and it's the same reason. That, yeah. You know, there's 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 not one in Manhattan. You know, it's the exact right. same reason. But <laughs> um, but you know, we're sort of um, we're trying to change that. So mm-hmm. every year we add a new event, or if we we add a significant number of people, um, that year financially makes a loss for us because we have to shell out not just on more space to pe- put people in, but all the tables and stuff, and it all adds up. So our sort of the way we try and stay in the black is one year of heavy investment and growth and then the following year try to you know, recoup some of that that upfront spend okay. um which has worked so far you know first year we lost quite a significant amount of money second year that sort of balanced that out this year we'll probably lose a bit, you know significant amount of money again but over the long run um hopefully i won't go bankrupt and um <laughs> and you know we'll put on a massive party for everyone and everyone will have a good time because that's you know really why we're doing it is right. so that everyone can have a laugh with their mates really and, and, and play some 40k and sigma and whatever games they is there is there is it is the plan to keep it uh gw only or is the or is there possibilities of expanding it to other game systems um i mean the, the I mean, i've not the, made a decision the future, i guess um, right now I yeah it, it, well, definitely not this year i mean this year we've we're adding enough stuff and yeah it really comes down to finding people that are passionate and and reliable to run the events so um i personally uh my game group is predominantly games virtual games so right. it, it's um relatively more easy for me to, to find people that so i can rely upon to, to help mm-hmm. um fantasy flight obviously run their own stuff anyway so yes. if you're working with them you're, you're very much just providing a venue for them to work in which is not how we normally run i like to have you know the team involved in everything so mm-hmm. it's very much a communal event as opposed to be being you know just here's some space or on whatever you want in it. yeah so um, it's not off off the cards, you know. Drop Zone Commander and, and a lot of um, you know, sort of Warlord type games and Mantic games are popular over here. Um, but you know, I've not, um, I don't have the expertise at the moment to add them in. So it will be if uh, if and when they're added, it will be oh, either in twenty nineteen. I was, I was or just curious after. if it's because I know with uh, uh, with Adepticon and with LVO, both of them are more. They started out as Games Workshop, but then expanded to to other games as, as the years went on not not yeah not right well i mean you know i think nova this year they had twice as many attendees playing x-wing than they did 40k yeah and that, you know that started up as a, well, as a 40k event yeah. too so i don't get x-wing but i mean i get it but it doesn't appeal to me but uh, yeah. yeah a lot of a lot of uh it it got a lot of like especially board gamers because mm. uh, that's what i think it is i think it's, it, it's a glorified board game i think really i mean it's, it's yeah. cool models and stuff but it's, it's I, not they're, they're pre-painted they're pre-painted pieces it you know it, mm. it's and the the little chits are pre-measured you don't have to really do any measuring things like that yeah i, I agree um mm. the other thing i wanted to ask um you 
Well, especially in the in the U.S., there's a lot of uh, grand tournaments. Hmm. I personally think it's too many, and it, okay. and it, well, I only think it's too many because they all seem the same. Where it's just all three days, you know, th- uh, two days, five games. Um, none are really unique, maybe in the price support or the location. And a lot of them, like I'm going to, like I mentioned before, I'm going to SoCal, the SoCal uh, Grand Tournament. And that will be, I think, my fourth one in just California. I have not left the state of California. Or no, I did once for Boise. But I've, I've mm-hmm. stayed in my immediate area within drive, uh, reasonable driving distance, although I don't know if 14-hour drive is reasonable. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> for me, it is. That's like one day at work. Um mm. Is there what is there something you plan on doing or plan to do to make it unique and make people even want to go to it more, especially if it becomes po- more popular and people decide on their own to maybe do their own two-day event, maybe not as big, and where where you start to see I don't want to call it competition, but you start to see more um, GTS or like the like the GW heats which they brought back. Mm. Sure, um, sure. So um, you know we have. Um... As far as GTs go in the UK, um, we've got probably um, 400 man events over the course of the year, or 100 plus, um, mine included. Um, so it's and they're all sort of three months apart from each other. So it's a really healthy way to have okay. the game, you know, the, the the community working. We've got you know a tournament every weekend if you want to go play a 30 man event. Um, so that's you know, a different type of experience if you want to go do that. Um, I personally feel like we already have differentiated ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's not just um, location differentiation. So we're the right. only event in, you know, the only, the only GT in South of England, basically. Anyone mm-hmm. in London, for sure. And, um, and that, you know, London's a, a tourist destination. People want to come here. It's a brilliant party. Yes. It's half as expensive as most people think it is. So actually, when you get <laughs> here, you've got a ton of money to spend on beer. And, and um you know, so so sort of the scale and the location make it unique already. Mm-hmm. Notwithstanding the fact that we probably have about five to ten times more prize support than any other event in the country. Um, and you know, and Warhammer TV are here. You know, so we've got um, lots of things that differentiate us already. That's just in the 40k event. You know, we are very much multi-system now, right. and we're probably the only. I think there's one other event in the country which is multi-system. So there's only really. Um, one other event that's comparable and that's in november we're in may so six months apart i don't think is is okay. is, is too much so i think you know i, I think your, your point is valid um but in the uk it's not so much of an issue yet and um if it was i think that's probably a good thing i think it shows health in the in the hobby yeah i mean i agree but i, I mean for i guess maybe my it's my location because i'm in i'm literally in the geographic sense i'm down the street from fl uh, frontline gaming so yeah. And so there's a lot of uh, tournaments slash grand tournaments within the like within California itself. To be honest, um, we're lucky in that in that respect. But at the same time, it's it's. I feel like if you want to do a grand tournament nowadays in in the U.S. or in in my area, in the Western United States, you you need to do something that really sets you apart from the other ones. Other than sure. Just being a five day event. So I was just curious if there's anything because I I'm not obviously I'm not familiar with. As far as I go, as far as Boise so far <laughs> for my grandparents. Yeah. So I don't know if there's anything else. Um, like I said, because the GW, because they didn't, they stopped doing the heats before, correct? 
Yeah, so Games Workshop um, got back involved in the tournament scene. Um, I mean, they've always been doing events. That they do Throne yeah. of Skulls and the sort of yeah. narrative-driven all kinds of I remember of seeing that, they, yeah. Yeah, so they got back into doing organized events in Sigmar you know, last year, but, but in 40K they did it. Um, in, at the end of May last year. Okay. So they basically tried to run um, a big GT, um, and they had you know, a place that was, could have held like 700 people, but they only sold about 80 tickets or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and they ran it you know, for all their games. And it was good. It was a good party. It was a good first attempt. And it, um, but there, there were some you know, teething issues, as you'd expect for any sort of first time. <laughs> right. Um, since then, they've also you know, relaunched the, the Grand Tournament series. So they've got the three heats followed yes. by the final. Um, they sold out in a couple of days, so I think that's seventy man events. Um, yeah, but they're they're, um, they're great. But they, you know, um, obviously I know, I know them very well being a play tester. But um, their events team and their um, sort of rules team are different departments. You know, it's a multinational company. Not one person doesn't handle everything. So it's right. It's sort of like the the premier events in the UK are still definitely definitely independent mm-hmm. but it's good to see games workshop you know putting an effort in and and you know coming back to the scene because you know the, the, the there's a lot of tournament players out there you know they buy a lot of stuff they're responsible for a lot of the revenue games yeah. Workshop makes. So. and they're they're also responsible for the almost the narrative of the game i would say because people even though people aren't competitive or they don't compete in tournaments they still look at competitive lists just to beat their buddy yeah like my brother, exactly. I mean, yeah, like my brother goes online and he looks and he sees what's what works or what's been working and he'll try it with me, even though he doesn't play in tournaments. Yeah. No, I mean, every time I go to my club, somebody who doesn't play in tournament will come up to me and say, hey, I read about this. Is it yeah. good? And I was like, well, where do you read about it? Well, you read about it in a tournament report. Yeah. So, you know, the internet traffic and the, and the chatter and the content on the internet is very much tournament centric, even if it's only 10% of the market. Yes. Um, the, 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 the media side of things is very much dominated by it. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, that's that's what I've been seeing also in, in our local store. Um, mm. Did um, – oh, I forgot what my question was. Well, I'll just move on. Uh, um, you mentioned the playtesting in, in, in that uh, just with GW. In regards to that, um, I know you can't talk about certain things. Um, how did that come about? Did they just like send you an email saying, hey, you run this big event? come help come help us out or did they you know um, the guy in a trench coat and in the back of an alley <laughs> just hand you this envelope or you find yeah well kind of, i mean like it's it's a funny story actually because you know they, but bear in mind you know we they started talking to us before the whole sort of change of um approach was public yet so okay. it was back back in the day you know it seems like ages ago but it was only it actually you know, does year, seem like ages ago, ago. <laughs> When you know everyone was hating on Games Workshop because yes. they didn't listen to anyone, blah 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 blah, and um, you know I I put on you know this big party, this big 40k event that you know everyone loved, and I, and I was doing stuff differently. So UK scene doesn't really market itself um, on social media as much, you know, it just does it for event organising as opposed to you know trying to build the community and build the hobby, which is definitely something I am about. Right. So you know I, I I've been on a bunch of podcasts talking about you know kick kickstarting you know, a new GT sort of thing. Oh, so okay. having this sort of conversation, but back before the first event. And so that got their attention. They'd heard about the event through that. And then after the first event was so successful, um, they basically got in touch and just said, you know, we want to be involved um, in the community. Um, you know, 
we're organizing this trip and obviously it was all you know super super top secret so even though i was completely shocked um it was exciting um and uh the rest is history as as you know i mean it's it's sort of it's well known now that you know the, the group of playtesters Mm-hmm. um you know reese frankie mike and you guys at adepticon yeah um you know we, we all sort of met up in nottingham and and um and went from there so it was um it's definitely a shock uh came out the blue um but was you know very very indicative of the the change of approach games workshop we're really fighting to implement and um has been you know hugely successful their stock prices doubled since we've been involved with them as yes. uh, playtesters i'm not going to claim responsibility for but you know it's <laughs> nice to see that their hard work um, and their initiatives to get people like myself involved um, is really paying off to you know their bottom line and their shareholders mm-hmm. so i'm pleased for them as much as i am for the community generally yeah it's it's having been a, a games workshop customer for x amount of years now i only say that because i don't want to reveal my age um <laughs> but i did say rogue trader so that was <laughs> and that was out when i was in high school so <laughs> um and see, seeing basically the ups and downs the rise and and i don't want to say fall but more or less the plateau and then and now mm-hmm. this again it, it it harkens back to to the 3.5 fourth edition phase when they were a bit more involved and they ran tournaments I don't know if they're going to try to run tournaments in the U.S. again. I don't think they will. Um, but uh, but I personally, I've, I'm very much happy with the where, which which the direction the company is going right now. Um, mm. Since the since the turnover, since he, I had issues with seventh towards the end, but I think a lot of people did. But that's I, I we have our theories on that, our crazy mm. crackpot theories. But but I think. Uh, Overall, I'm I'm more than happy with where the company's at. It's 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 almost like a like a lot of people said. It's like a new golden age, with especially with yeah. a lot of the specialist games coming back. I'm so excited for Necromunda. Uh, I actually can't wait for Shadespire. You know, I'm I'm stoked for that. I can't. Mm-hmm. I, I Necromunda Adeptus Titanicus. Uh, I guess the other rumor, or I think they announced the uh, Battlefleet Gothic. You know, things. Oh, like, I heard that one. I thought they announced it at Forge World uh, Weekend. I can't remember mm. now. I think they and they think I think it was Battlefield Gothic, but Horse Heresy to start with. Same, just like uh, Adeptus Mechanicus. Yeah. It's going to be for, Horse Horse Heresy centric in the beginning, and uh, see where they go from there. But I mean, Blood Bowl. I played in a forty-person Blood Bowl league uh, recently. So people, yeah, people I mean, love it. Blood Bowl's, Blood Bowl's hugely successful. I mean, there's a lot of um, people that played throughout the whole period where games weren't supporting it yeah um there's hundreds and hundreds of players um yeah. so you know we're 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 going to capitalize on that you know we're, we're going to put on you know the, the london blood bowl cup or or, yeah. or um whatever we've decided to call it i think it's called <laughs> the blood bowl gt but um you know I'm, I'm confident that that not only will that event be a success but it's also going to be a little bit unprecedented i think you know games workshop used to run big 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 bubble cups and they still got their their original cup from yeah. when they used to run them at nottingham um but really the naf has been doing a great job in their yeah. absence and i think I... Yeah, it would be good to see um that that that's that hobby you know grow and be more supported again yeah i still have a set of dice i got from them early on when i signed up for the naf and uh we have a we have a local guy that he he ran the um he helped run the blood bowl league in between now now and back when they still when gw still uh, ran it 
So mm-hmm. in our local area, we had someone that carried the torch when it, when it wasn't uh, being produced by Games Workshop. Um, but in regards to the playtesting, um, I don't know if you can answer this, but it, were you at what uh, – I want to I, I wanna ask at what point you were involved. Did it include the indexes or was it after the indexes in terms of being able – uh, being able to put give input to uh, anything that they that they make. Do you know, um, what, I'm, do you know what I'm trying to say? Because a lot of yeah, no, I know honest, I know what you're trying to say. I'm just I'm trying to answer it in a way that's helpful. Because um, a lot of a lot of people um, are wondering if, and I'm I'm just going to be honest because a lot of people will wonder this, and will probably want me to ask you, <laughs> um, if at what po- yeah at what point did the play testers play test? Because some people think that. The in some of that the indexes were not play tested only because, um, only because of things like the smite spam the character spam things like that or was it was um, that just known well, in, well, in, well, well the, the character spam and the smite spam you know talking as a gamer not uh, not as a play tester okay then that's um, that, okay they, then, they don't relate they don't, they don't relate to the indices at all you know they're uh, they relate to the rules okay um you know so um what um i can't say obviously the exact specifics because right, um being inappropriate but you know games workshop very kindly um gave us accreditation and a, and, a, and a thank you um in um some of the stuff we've been involved with so okay. it doesn't take too much um too much <laughs> uh, investigation to sort of figure that one out um because okay. it's published uh, um it's written down for anyone to go read but you know what i can say is um I think the involvement Games Workshop has allowed allowed us is unprecedented, yes. um, and I think I'm you know I'm not bragging, but everyone seems to be loving the game. It seems to be the most popular edition since third, probably, and um, you know we're um, we take no credit for that. You know the Games Workshop guys have done a great job, um, but the playtesting certainly helps um, as opposed to hinders. So um, I think people can. People always break break games yes. when they're played competitively, um, and you know the the amount of time and energy that, that the playtesters have is obviously limited because we're a finite number of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you have forty thousand people playing a game for two weeks, you know after that first week is done or first two weeks are done, you've played more games then than the playtest could have done in ten years. Yeah. So you know we do our best, um, and you know I think the caliber of the game and, and the um, the product um, is, is a real testament to the fact that you know countless hours at Games Workshop's end and and you know around the world in different playtesting pods has been spent trying to make the, the product we love and that we're passionate about you know as best as we can. No, I agree. I I thoroughly enjoy Eighth, even even with warts and all. I compared to uh, previous editions, um, it's just. I, it's I think just just to, to take a you know a, the smite spam thing you know a little bit you know, out of mm-hmm. context because. You, know, you raised a potential issue with the game, and I think the, the the issue with it is is not an issue of games design. I think it's an issue of interpretation. So if you read the blurb under Smite about what it is in mm-hmm. in the fluff, right? So what it actually represents is it represents the various forms of psychic powers. So you right. know, one 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 source one psychic Smite might be shooting lightning bolts, one might be cool, you know, f- f- fireballs, whatever. And if 
they were all named individually on each of the psychic's data sheets. This psychic does the blah, blah, blah. The effects would still be the same, you know, DK Mortal Wounds, whatever. People would have a lot less of an issue with it because it wouldn't be seen as being spammy. Right. It would be seen as, you know, I've just got these cool psychic powers. And, oh, yeah, they all do the same thing. But, you know, it's, it's a legitimate way to build an, an army, for example. Right. And, um, you know, so I think, you know, there's a tendency for people to overreact. Um, Smite spam... While strong is yeah, your nerds raging on the internet. What a surprise! Um, no, I mean, yeah, obviously people are allowed their opinions, and you know, and we're grateful for them because you know the sort of feedback we all get as event organisers goes into shaping our events and, and ultimately you know the hobbies and the community's enjoyment. But right. you know, smite spam is strong. Is it winning every single tournament? No, no. you know, okay. we got what? Well, you know, you look at. Um, Andrew Gonyo's list at, at, um, at Nova. You know, he had a couple of psychics in there, but he wasn't Smite's band. Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't Fundamentally, yeah. yeah, it's for it's for um, event organisers to, if they perceive um, Smite as being an issue, to design missions that uh, that favour armies that don't include it. Or if they don't see it as being an issue at all, then you know, play straight out of the rulebook. There's no issues with that, you know. So everyone's got a different opinion. Um, personally, I think um, if we start calling Smite you know, lightning bolts of zinc or whatever. Then right, it, if you give it a different it. name like they used to do, where a lot of people have yeah, the same it's... spells, but they gave it a different name, it doesn't seem as bad because they're, yeah. they're, they're casting different things. No, yeah, I get it. Um, in in regards to just, uh, you mentioned earlier about um, when you when you play as a playtester that your mind is at a different place. Is that... Because when, when we talk about the playtesters... Um, my, I've always brought that up that I that maybe they maybe something wasn't caught because one you don't play enough games as many I mean you can only play so many games in a given amount of time um, and two that a lot of times when you're a playtester you're you're mentally you're in a different place am, am yeah. I correct in that well, or? you are fine right so so there's a couple of things I think you know of course um, we don't catch everything um, it's impossible to do that. But it's not what you don't see, of course, well, yeah, exactly. What, what you don't see, of course, is all the things we did catch. So <laughs> um, it could have been one thing, could have been a million things, like who never know because it won't be stressed at the competitive level. But, but what um, what we do and the way you play when you, you're a playtest, I mean, like you test the games before you, you probably know as well as anyone is, you're not playing a game exactly the same way as you would a GT final. You know, if you're on right. top table last event, like you don't you don't play in the same way. You don't design lists in the same way. Like our list design or my personal list design process for playtesting is not just try and try and make the most broken thing and then fix that thing because mm -hmm. you know that's that's that, you know, to be honest, you know, um, it's not necessarily the right approach. You know, what you want to be doing is, is creating a game or helping um, you know the broader team um, in whatever way you can. Mm -hmm. So. You do, you do think differently, um, but that's not to say we don't um, try to identify as much as we can. Um, right. And and you know ultimately, you know, Games Workshop have done a great job in giving us a game that didn't have a lot of things to catch. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, it, it's you're, you're right. You do think differently about it, but that's more a case of risk management um, and about the competitive scene as opposed to um, our skill as competitive players in this build is because you know some the the players involved are, are are you know without doubt strong players you know you can't doubt their ability as 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 games gamers 
Um, it's, it's really just a question of time, I think, it comes down to more than anything else. Is no matter whether you play every hour, every waking hour or not, um, the amount of like hours at the gaming table once you open the game up to, mm-hmm. you know, say 50,000 people, ultimately, of course, they're going to see something that, that, you know, me playing as many games as I could in a week missed or, or, right. or any other play testers. Um, do you do you ever slip and say a rule during a game, like like you went to Nova? Did you ever slip with a oh this does this and then you're like oh wait it doesn't do that yet? Yeah, I've, I've done that before. Yeah, <laughs> I actually had um I was playing in a casual tournament and um I'd had about ten beers I think and <laughs> had this big big argument about cover and it turned out that I was playing a rule that was different, <laughs> completely different. There you go. Um, Did you have to kill him like, afterwards? Yeah, I, Is that part of the NDA? No. Tell anybody. No. <laughs> no, I mean, um, <laughs> of course, like you, you're keeping two sets of rules in your, in your head at the same yeah. time. It was particularly troublesome when we were playing third because I'd be in a tournament playing. <laughs> Sorry, not third, seventh. <laughs> be in a tournament playing seventh and then I'd <laughs> play an eighth third rule. <laughs> but um, I managed yeah. to cover it up very well. I mean, yeah, it's not... Um, <laughs> It's not, uh, it didn't disclose anything that was sensitive by any means. Okay. And you're, and you got, and everyone is still co- constantly. So you're, you're, I'm assuming you're balancing your play test with your, let's say if you're, do you, do you, do you practice going to tournaments now since you, since you play test? Do you try to balance um, that if, if you depends. Know, depends, it depends on the tournament. Or does it, so, or because um, you're not, so for example, well, like for, well, let's say for Nova. So for Nova, because you you decided to take a list that was going to be different than the norm, mm. um, obviously you probably had to play, you had to practice with that more. Um, I guess how is yeah, so, balancing? So, so uh, uh, it, it's for me, it's it's it's, pr- it's pretty um, it's pretty easy. So there's, there's certain big events that I'll, I'll attend um, that that I want to win or I want to do my best at, and I'll build a list that I think is good for that format. And then in the run up to that, I'll go to a bunch of what you guys call RTTs, but we just, you know, 30 man events or whatever. Right. So my practice for Nova, for example, um, I played, um, I guess, 10 games mm-hmm. with the army um, in two tournaments the weekends before. So I played two, week, two three tournaments in a row, basically, in okay. five game tournaments. Um, but none of my, so basically I prepare for, for big tournaments by going to small tournaments. Right. None of my, quote unquote what will be a casual game or a pickup game to, for most people um i don't play any um current eighth edition pickup games i play because i'm playtesting okay. so um and the only exception to that was um etc because you know as, yeah. as a as a, t- as a team event you know you're expected to, to really have, bring ray games or play the ton of pickup <laughs> right. games practicing that so um but no i mean yeah if i need to if i need if i need to um "Quote unquote train for an event mm-hmm. um, than I do by going to to smaller events. Um, okay. So yeah, I mean, like more success story for the Banshees. I mean, came second in a couple <laughs> a couple of random tournaments. <laughs> yeah. So then, Zach, are you, I'm assuming by the sound of it, you're enjoying uh, being being a playtester. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm a heart. I'm a gamer. So <laughs> it's, it's almost involved. like it's almost like one of the. Uh, one of the dream, like it's almost like a dream job, even though you don't really get paid. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's got its good bits and its bad bits, right? Because you spend all this, um, you know, emotional investment, you know, getting really attached. Like, oh, this amazing combo. You're like, oh, this is just, a... and then you realize 
you know, actually your job is, is, is to spot those things um, so, that, <laughs> so that they don't necessarily work anymore or whatever. So, um, no, I mean, I, I enjoy playing uh, competitively and, and the playtesting is um, competitive focused, but you don't play it, you know, in public events or whatever. So, how does it, you know, I enjoy it. No, I'm uh, sorry, sorry for cutting off, but how does it feel when when you playtest something and and people aren't seeing what what you meant to, meant to what you meant when you guys put you know when this rulebook came out or when this rule came out or or you know um, or just how you you thought something was great and maybe some other people don't like people are thinking opposite you, you thought this one unit or this one rule or this one combo like you were saying was great but when it goes out into the world turns out it's not so great are you kind of bummed or you're kind of like oh man i thought that was good <laughs> um not, not so much i mean like the thing that we can never predict predict or emulate is is the meta mm -hmm. so we can understand what we think is going to be good but we can't understand how people are going to choose to use counters to it okay. and then what counters are going to be developed for the counters to that counter right so you know we identify or you know if, we're, if i'm really happy with 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 what a codex is looking like or whatever and i'm sitting there and, you know, I'm pleased with with the performance of, of my army list that I've right. written. Um, that's not going to be necessarily um, how somebody else would write a list for that for, right. for that codex once it goes public. So um, I'm not disappointed. I don't think I think a lot of the time, you know, when we think, oh, okay, right, this is strong, and not every unit in the game has to be you right. know, equivalent. So you know, legitimately, some units are stronger than others. So I'm not pleased um, or um, annoyed if people spot the same things or, or different things. It's more um, it's 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 more a case of just being pleased that people are enjoying the game, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so if people were criticizing the game generally, which I don't think is is true, then it's a signal that we need to be working mm -hmm. in a different way, um, and that's not the case at the moment. So I think everything's working well, um, and a real critic. And probably, this is probably the last question. Um, and this is in regards to maybe as a playtester and especially, especially as an organizer, um, in regards to how quickly, at least in the in gaming terms, not in video gaming terms, but how quickly Games Workshop is responding to uh, certain builds in the meta or certain rules interactions that maybe they didn't mean to happen. Um, mm. how, how? Well, I don't. Yeah. Uh, well, my, sort of... my question is, um, how does how does one as a tournament organizer um, deal with that? Like, uh, like when they came out with the FAQ uh, for us a week before the Bay Area Open. In, in... Yeah, I mean that was that was a hard one for you guys. Um, well, not we, for me because I use in flyers, you... but <laughs> <laughs> um, in in Europe generally, there's a there's a strong tradition of having a rules cutoff date at the same time as the what would be an army list submission deadline, okay. um, which is typically two or two weeks or, or a month before okay. um, the event. So um, that's that's pretty traditional and pretty locked in. So the the, the norm uh, would be if it doesn't affect any army list choices, then what then it still comes into play. So if it's just a genuine clarification, okay. um, then that would still be used, um, but not something that changes um, how you may have chosen to construct your army. So for example, the fly one where you'd never choose to bring flyers or, or that many. So mm -hmm. that one wouldn't have been used if, if the Bay Area Open was being run in Europe because it would have been, you know, a two-week grace period or whatever beforehand. Right. Okay. Um, how I, I you know, you know, that's how I operate as a tournament organizer. It's, it's yeah. you, know, you have to 
publicise in advance when people buy tickets about yeah. how, how rules are going to be treated, right? So you need to yeah. make sure everyone's aware of, of yeah, what we, they're buying. We used to do a 30-day 30, a 30 window, um, but that mm. was back when you only had, what, one, one release every quarter or two releases a quarter as opposed to one every month or two every two every month. Um, nowadays, I think for the SoCal GT, it's uh, two weeks. So anything before October 16th, no, that's a week. Anything before October 16th is, is good to go in terms of that tournament. But okay. it's usually the, the TO. There's no there's no standard anymore, really. People remember the 30-day, but it's not something anything holds to anymore. Hmm. But uh, with that being said, I have to thank you, Zach, for being on. I no, appreciate no you, it's uh, been a pleasure. Giving your time. Um, uh, and uh, if you want to, any last words of, of where they can go to uh, – if they want to go to the London GT, uh, yeah, where, yeah. Where so, um, so our our website is the place to go for all the information. So we are um, www.lgtpresents.co.uk. Um, on there, um, at the present, you'll find all the information about um, the events we're running. And from the first of November, uh, ticket sales will be live, so our store will be up there as well. Uh, if you Facebook us. Um, there's some some sort of social content up, so photos of previous events and people having a little chat. Um, so if you want to get involved, the best thing to do is to sign up to our mailing list on the website and to uh, follow and like the group on Facebook. Okay, and uh, we'll we'll I'll put up the links for that when we when this when the episode goes uh, goes live. But again, Great. thank you and uh, no worries. Good night. Thanks very much. That was our interview with Zach from the London GT. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Just look up TFG Radio. We announce all our shows that come out, whether it's Twitch, the bonus episodes, or when I record with Travis and the producer. Also, don't forget to follow us on iTunes, where you can make sure to have the episodes download as soon as the shows come up on iTunes. In addition, if you can, please leave a review and a star rating. That would help us in the metrics in terms of just getting the show out there and for people to look for whenever they look for 40K. Also, don't forget to visit the webpage, tfgradio.com. That includes articles by Danny, sometimes by myself and John, and now uh, Tom with the Tau articles. It also has our merchandise, which is shirts, dice, wound counters, objectives. Go to the website, click on the tab that says merchandise, and just click on the links, and I'll take you to whichever merchandise that you want. So, that's the episode for today. Thank you for listening, and see you soon.